Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, how's everybody doing? Everybody good? Thank you all for being here to worship with us. It is good to gather together and lift up the name of the Lord. Ecclesia Church is the gathered body of Christ, and um, let's not forget that and uh, the encouragement that comes with that. And God promises, right, there's an extra sense of two or more gathered. His presence, right, is, is among us, and that's what we welcome, that. Um, so thank you for being here this morning to worship with us. Um, any questions at all about Crossroads, what's going on uh, locally, globally with what we're involved with? Um, please just uh, give us a ring. We'd love to fill you in everything going on. The only announcement I have is that every year we raise money for um, sending kids to camp for our inner city church, His Love in Denver, that we kind of partner with. Um, and they are looking at this that time of year. If you feel led of the Lord to help, it takes $500 to send an inner city kid to camp for a week, and you can uh, just put in your memo, His Love Campers, um, or just call us here about that. So just want to let that, always want to let some opportunities for ministry, um, put them before you. Okay, I'm excited, gang. Um, I have been waiting to get into this study for actually quite a while, um, and uh, super excited, yes, thank you for the, uh, the uh, and, and, and I don't know what kind of tradition maybe some of you are from, but I, I receive amens, let's just preach together here, it's all right, it's good. Um, so uh, we are going to be in Matthew chapter 24, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and, and dive in. We're going to be looking at these words, Jesus, Matthew 24, then we're going to move into the first few chapters of the book of Revelation where Jesus gives specific message to the church. And all this is wrapped around this idea of, are we ready? And uh, I think we look at this back, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, we can talk about it later, but uh, this last year was a trial run. And uh, folks, I, I firmly believe the church failed miserably this last year. It might sound harsh to you, but uh, we could talk about the details on that. We need to get ready. And when I say get ready, it, it, in the fullest of what Jesus is speaking here, but ultimately for Jesus tells his church, be ready, be on the watch. And the whole heartbeat of followers of Jesus throughout the scripture is Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Where is that in the American church, right? A crying out to God, come Lord Jesus, a longing to be with him, to embrace him in the fullness of his, of his plan. Folks, I, I mean, there's no better news on the face of the earth. Jesus has come once and he came once to heal hearts and redeem hearts back to God and to deal with um, our issue of sin and the world's issue of sin and this incredible good news, a free gift, the forgiveness of sins, an invitation into eternal life, to walk with God, to meet your creator, to embrace the one who created you, knew you before the foundation of the earth. This is the good news. And he's launched his church, his ecclesia, around the world to gather together to be lighthouses of that truth, that goodness in a dark world, in a world that suppresses the truth, a world that from the very back, all the way over back from the Garden of Eden, that rejects God. This says, we're going to do this on our own, puts all of our trust in our technology, our know-how to heal the earth rather than faith in God and his goodness, that he is a glorious God, he is a good God. He has this world and he has a plan in his hands and he's moving towards that, right? And so 
We need to be ready, and uh, we're going to just wrestle with this question through this and write straight to the red letters <laughs> as such of uh, uh, Matthew 24. What did Jesus say when he was circled up in a discipleship group with his 12, and they started asking him some big questions about the end? When is the end going to come? Um, and, and asking some deep questions, the questions we should be asking, right, and wrestling with and being faithful, right, to, to God's um, word. So this morning, um, we're going to be, as I said, in Matthew 24, and I'm going to read a large section of it for this morning because it's going to set the tone, right, for uh, what we're going to dive into. Folks, um, the, the authority we stand upon is, is, is not my word or anybody else's, it's the word of God, and we're going to pray that, that God's truth, right, moves Right this morning, as, as we should every Sunday, obviously. But before I dive in, I just want to give an encouragement, a plea, shall we say. When I grew up, I, I, went, I was fortunate to, to, be, to grow up in a church and to grow up in some really good churches. And it was during an era that um, there was a hunger, there's a move of God. And I remember going to church, I was saved in an environment of that kind of hunger and radical conversions. What I mean by radical in the sense of people meeting Jesus and making a turn. It wasn't therapeutic, oh, I need Jesus, to, a little Jesus, but it was a sense of I want all of them. And there was this radical salvation, right, of turning from life the way it was to turning to Jesus. And, and when people, we'd show up, go to churches, we had a Bible in hand, there was a hunger. We're showing up to gather with God's people. And there was like, I want to hear what God has to say. Not, it, it, and, and it was an atmosphere that might not even be specifically what the preacher's preaching about, but an atmosphere of God speak to me. And this is what God does when his people come hungry as he speaks. And he might speak to you, every one of you right now here this morning, myself included. We need to hear from God about something in our life. And I can promise you, I can give you testimony after testimony, when we come in with a hunger for the word of God, God speaks beyond that, right, to details into our, our life if we're ready and waiting to, to hear him. So I, I just plead with you, can we recover that again in this age? Is I, I just ask you to pray about, go back to the paper. Go back to your paper Bible, not a digital Bible, but a paper Bible, and, and, and bring it with you. When you come to church, when you come to hear the word of God, and let me tell you why, because it is now we have every kind of resource amount, a thousand things online, our phones, our iPads, everything else, and you know, from the time that I mentioned back in my childhood to now, do you know what statistics show with all those resources that we have less biblical knowledge, we have less, our young, our, our, the younger generations have not a biblical worldview at all. It's because screen time has formed their worldview and it's formed more of how we're thinking their church than anything else. I say, let's get back. And Jesus, the Bible says Jesus came at just the right time. Now, folks, that's a prophetic word. He came at just the right time in history. He didn't come during the digital age so we could be, hey, look, check out Jesus at here or whatever, you know. Hopefully heaven will allow us to do that. But he came at just the right time so he could not be video clipped. He came at just the right time when it was oral that it had to be authentic relational communication of the word preached and heard. He came at the time of the papyri of the paper Bible. And there's a reason for that. And um, so I just, I give that as just as not some legalistic thing or anything, but just as an indicator of hunger and expectation and a renewal, because I'm here to tell you the screen just corrupts the process. Because I can promise you, uh, right? And we all know it. If you trust in your screen for your Bible, unless you turn off every other notification, you will be distracted with other voices 
trying to talk to you rather than fully dedicated to hear God, I'm all yours. Okay? So just a little encouragement for us. Again, that's not any legalism. I just, uh, may the Lord restore that in this day and age, right? So the word of God, we're in Matthew 24. This is called the Olivet Discord course. And uh, this is where Jesus gives us all kinds of, of stuff about the end and what we're to look for. And we're going to have the great privilege to just wrestle with this and see what what God has for us. And uh, just a little background, last week I kind of laid the foundation here that if you step back into chapter 23, I'll leave that to you, but um, what Jesus has, he's, he's gone before Jerusalem and he's just said this prayer of Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I long to gather you. Folks, long, God longs to gather his people together, small and big, to do his work. This has been the consistent process through the beginning of the church. And, uh, and we need to understand that. It's not an individual spiritual journey. It's the family of God journeying together, big and small, right, together. And uh, he said, look, you, you have rejected that. You have not wanted that. And, and he pronounces this profound thing upon the temple as he's walking among the temple. And folks, we'll get into this a little more, but this is a profound shift in history. What took place, right, is he's, he basically says, right, is um, your house is left empty. Speaking of the temple of God, the very center of God's presence and work throughout the Old Testament, he says, your house will be left empty. Now, boy, we know what the new temple is, right? The joy of the temple of the his, Jesus, is, his, God's desire is to come his Holy Spirit into your soul. Each of our souls will be temples. And he describes the church when it comes together, right, is the temple itself. And so God is working his, his process out here. And, uh, and that shocked these Jewish disciples. They're, they're in shock. They don't even know how to answer. And it takes them getting up to all of it, discord, um, all of it, uh, Mount of Olives. And they're talking with Jesus. And, um, and they ask him, Lord, what's going on here? When, when will the end happen? And, and so Jesus predicts, he says, not one stone will be left on that temple. Now, folks, I, again, I just want to drive home to you. Just a couple decades later, Rome came in and leveled it. It was a four-year battle, right? A million Jews lost their life. It was one of the most horrific times of Jewish history. 100,000 were taken in slavery. Rome was brutal, and they completely leveled the temple. Now, folks, the point I want to emphasize with you is Jesus was razor-sharp clear in his prophecy and the fulfillment in physical history. Over 300 times in the Old Testament has Jesus fulfilled what prophecy has said about him hundreds and thousands of years before or his own words moving forward in history. His word is the truth. It is the source of all wisdom if we want to know where we're headed and where things are going. It is his truth. It needs to be the primary guide for our lives of where we're going and what we're um, longing for in our life. And so with that little background, let me read the word of God for us. Verse 1, Jesus left the temple and he was going away when his disciples came out to him, um, pointed out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and when will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, 
See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. And folks, in Romans 8, Paul says it pretty clearly. The, the, the earth is groaning, waiting for renewal, waiting for God to come and renew this even to a better Eden because what? He wants to bring heaven to earth. The, Jesus' role is to bring all things in heaven and on earth together, reconciled, man and God together again and for eternity. And uh, verse 9 says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation, put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. And then many will fall away and betray one another, hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because of lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So when you see the abomination of desolation, we'll get into some of these things in this series, spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. And then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Um, then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christ, false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east, shines far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then will appear in the heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and glory. Yes, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth, from one end of the heaven to the other. Let me just jump down to verse 36. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Verse 42. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the, the day your Lord is coming. Verse 44. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? who his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time. So two things just to set the, the ground here before we move into some details to break this apart is down here in verse 36, um, 
Let's just, I, I don't know what you, if you've studied biblical prophecy, um, I'm assuming many of you have been pretty deep in this and, and taught, maybe read a lot of the books and literature that have been out there. What I want you to do <coughs> for this series is set those things aside. And um, this, it says right here that no one knows when he's coming. And so any kind of date setting, any kind of formal structure of trying to piece it together and everything, just set it aside. Let's let God speak. Let's let his word speak and, and lead us in, in all that. And the last thing here, verse 45, says, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them <coughs> their food at the proper time? I take that very sobering to me. So pray for me. But also for all of us is that we are called to bring word, truth to others at the proper time. The proper word at the proper time. And there has to be a faithfulness with that, and that should be nurtured within the church. And uh, so with that said, let me pray, and we'll, uh, we'll dive in here. Father, Lord, Lord, may I be faithful. Lord, to be a servant, Lord, to bring your word, the truth, Lord, not watering down, not tickling ears, none of that. Lord, that your pure word, what you want said, Lord, let your spirit take it and, and move in our hearts. God, give us ears to hear, Lord. Let's receive it. Let us bring conviction, God. Let us bring hope and truth as a firm foundation, Lord. And Lord, give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to the church, Lord. Come now, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um... Everyone deep in their hearts is waiting for the end of the world to come. The Big Short. How many saw that movie? Yeah, there's a lot to talk about in that movie. What do you think about that quote? You think it's true? You think that's true? Um, you know, it was fascinating to me because I'm watching that movie and I'm, I'm just kind of, you know, drilling in, trying to figure out how all that happened, the 2007 fall, you know, trying to piece it all together and... And all of a sudden, you see the fall, the crash took place on Wall Street, and people just in chaos. And that little, and people run around in chaos, you know, they're picking up their desks, they're just leaving like overnight, they're, you know, Bear Stearns shut down, all that, you know. And, and that quote pops up on the screen. I, I was like, wow. It just, it just shocked me that that would show up in that kind of movie. What do you think about that? I, I would just say that look, just think about the movies that are put out. Think about media that's put out. Think about how many movies are centered around that issue, right? Again, folks, every great story, there's just a little side note, every great story, every great movie, every great epic story, at the center of it, it's gospel, right? I mean, at the center of it is all the longings of what we desire. We desire, you know, love ever after, you know, live long, all that. We, we desire the, the hero. We desire the evil to be done away with. And all these themes are gospel. Where did they come from? They didn't just evolve, right? And you know when you watch something that's deconstructed and weird, just like, oh, that's weird, you know, right? Because we want, there's something in our soul that is drawn to a story, the big story, right? That makes sense of everything, where we're headed, the whole idea of history, our role, our individual, who we're loving, our, our significance in all of the course of history. Does anybody love me? Do I have a place in this world? Do I, do I make a difference in this world? The gospel answers it all. 
Jesus is the way, the truth. He is the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes into true reality without Jesus. And we're playing with reality today, and we'll get into that in, in just a minute. And so I, um, here's our question for the morning. Is how do we get ready for something? We don't know when it's going to happen. Right? And just apply this to anything in life. Something you want to see happen, but you don't know when it's going to happen. Well, how do you prepare for that? And the question is, what are we preparing for? And are we preparing for something? What are you preparing for? Right? Um, we're always preparing for something, whether we know it or not. But let's just throw out the biggies. How about death? How many people are truly today, and I'm going to say in the church, those who claim to be followers of Christ, how many of you have been in a discipleship process where somebody biblically has prepared you for death? I mean, genuinely prepared you how to handle, because you don't know when it's coming. I don't know when it's coming. But this should be a core principle. Just as Jesus talked, just go in the gospel, see what Jesus did with the 12 over and over again. He's talking, preparing them for death and actually prophesying over some of them, you're going you're gonna to die for me, right? And um, folks, I, I, this is again, another little side note. We'll come back to discipleship, but folks, this shows a void in our discipleship in the church is we have not prepared people to die well, to understand that, to grow more faithful, more bold as we get older, more gracious, right? The older we get. Um, and this is what Jesus just did for us, right? To prepare for that. But what about the end? This is what the disciples come to him. Jesus, when is the end going to happen? Right? How do we prepare for that? And as we read and over and over, we could go to the book of Revelation, which we will, you know, is Jesus coming back. Where's the passion for that? Where's the, to, to solve, to bring justice and to bring love, to, to make it all make sense. And the beautiful passage, right? It says that he's the one, as I said earlier, that is to bring all things together. Isn't that what we need? That's what, why we long for a Messiah figure. Somebody's got to make this right. Right? I mean, every one of us right now, you are, uh, you are wrestling with something. Could be in the news that's happening. Could be around the world that's happening. Could be in your own life that's happening. And we're wrestling with this idea. Who is going to stand up with some common sense and make things right? Who's going who's to fix this? And so we're looking for a politician. We're looking for a teacher. We're looking for a pastor or, or somebody, a leader. And uh, who's going to make this right? And again, at the bottom of our soul, no matter if somebody knows God or not, right, is, is that that is built into us. We need a savior. We need someone to make it right. And Jesus has come to set the stage and start this process, right, of, of making things right. And so how do we answer this question? I'm going to do three things this morning, just briefly deal with this first one. Embrace truth, face reality, walk by faith. So that's just how I'm going to divide up just to get, get a, getting us into this book. And we begin with embracing truth. How are we going to be ready? How do we prepare for something we don't know when it's going to come? I begin, and this is the starting place, I embrace truth. And if I miss that, guess what? I, I'm lost. I lose any tethering with the sense of what is real and what isn't. These go intimately together. And then finally, I learn to walk by faith. I learn to walk in this new life that God gives us, to walk by the Spirit, right? To walk by faith, not by sight. 
That is the Christian life. That's the life of full of the Holy Spirit is to walk in this joy, this freedom, right, of the Spirit of God and where we stand upon the promises of God where Jesus says, no one, if you walk with me, no one can snatch you out of my hands. Wow, what security? If that's the case, let's, let's go for God, right? No one, that's John 10, no one can snatch you out of his hands if you know him, if you've embraced him, right? As the one who said in... John 14, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, right? So it begins with this idea of embrace truth, facing reality. We'll talk about that next week, just a little uh, Q&N, facing reality. And I'll mention it again this morning, but um, we lose any aspect of, of reality. That's where we're at today, folks. We're losing touch on reality. I'll touch on that in a minute. Finally, we come to walk by faith, right? And, and this, this is where I'll, that third week, I'll get and put a structure to this book because I know some of you are going, well, is that talking about something that happened in the past or is that talking about something in the future? This already not yet. We're going to talk about how to read biblical prophecy. Some, some good exegetical, hermeneutical, big words, I know, just study tools of how to understand this, right? And uh, we'll get into that in the, uh, the third week. But let's talk about truth. The first thing is, here in the text, over and over and over again, what we read was, and when Jesus is answering the disciples, hey, when's the end going to come? He says, watch out. Be prepared. There are many who will be led astray. Now, folks, those who don't need Jesus are already astray, as all of us were before we came to Jesus. But Jesus is meaning those who claim his name will be led astray. And some pretty strong things led astray, and, and, um, and it says that they will even, some will, it says many will also fall away. And it goes on to say that they will betray each other in the family of God and hate one another. Um, how, how can that happen? And folks, I, I, again, I want to get a little sidetracked here, but I don't know what kind of theology you grew up under. But most of us, whether, whatever we grew up under, we have this very surface-level gospel that we have bought into. And this idea that it's just easy believing and say a simple prayer, you know, man, Jesus, you need him to help you. Come receive him right now. You're in, right? Is you'll find this nowhere in the scripture. How does somebody fall away? You go to the whole book of Hebrews. My point here is to drive home for us is Jesus says those who endure to the end will be saved. Saved. There will be a testing on our faith that will pull at our allegiance to who is our Lord in our life. One third after this last year, one third of people have not come back to church in America. Across the board. There will be a great falling away, Jesus says. I'm not necessarily saying that that, that is that now, but... Those are just indicators that we should be aware, aware of. Is just because somebody grew up in church, just because we believe a certain thing does not mean we will not be led astray. Question is, what are we embracing? Are we embracing him? Am I, wanting to, am I growing in my discipleship, my following of Jesus, where I want to please him more than myself or others or the culture today? Am I willing to make a stand on the word of God versus what culture says and take the hits? Or am I going to continue to backstep, backstep? And folks, the church, we are in desperately 
terrible territory now. We have backstepped so many times that we have coddled sin, and therefore, we are hypocrites in the world's eyes. You can only not be a hypocrite. Do you realize this? You can only not be a hypocrite unless you're embracing holiness, unless the church is following what Jesus says, unless the church is holy. Otherwise, the only other option is we're hypocrites. We talk about it, and we condemn others, but we, we do the same. We do the same, right? And so, wow, how do we keep from falling away? How do we, how do we know that we won't be led astray? It says, man, these are going to be some powerful voices, right? That says, even at one point it says, man, this is so powerful because it will have supernatural power. By the way, the trajectory towards history, when these stuff are happening, there'll be more supernatural stuff happening. Well, just take a look at our culture. And folks, again, the restrainer's arm is off of America. I'll talk about that later. Just think on that. And Pandora's box is open. Things that we've never experienced here. It used to be you go on a mission trip and somebody go to Africa or India. And man, I saw, I saw somebody deliver from a demon. I saw somebody stand up and heal from leprosy or whatever. That will be commonplace in America pretty quick. As cultism and... Leaves them just watch the TV, look more demonic, dark stuff, right? Um, but in some ways, that's good. That's good. It's like a showdown. It's like, let's, let's embrace, right, what God has for us, right? So how do we let astray? Folks, it's just, I, I just want to harp on one thing. I already harped on it a little bit, but um, for our encouragement is, man, I, I, I mean, and, and I suffer this with myself, but the amount, the, the enemy is pulled it's just, it's just got us in this tough place, you know. And I'll just say it's screen time. What's forming? What's forming the way you think? And, 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 and this just comes down to quantity. This is not a, a legalistic thing. It's just truth. If I'm not engaged with people in the Word of God more than I'm just on my phone with the news feeds and everything else, I can tell you, Right, which forming, all right, the way I see the world. And again, all stats show the screen is winning. And I'm talking about stats inside the church. The screen is winning. And the younger generations today, they want a little of Jesus, but not all Jesus, because they have been so formed by a progressive understanding of culture and the world that they take that and they're they're seeping it into the Word of God. And you can't do that. You can't have just a little of Jesus. You don't get him. And uh, we need to restore this and whatever it is, uh, a new hunger and, and seeing a leaning in, right, to his word. It also goes on to say, to embrace the truth, man, some tough stuff, doesn't it? It says that you, I mean, he doesn't, Jesus doesn't mess around, does he? He doesn't mess around. And, and, and again, this is another message for our culture is that it's not for wimps. It's not for people who are entitled. It's not for people who want a little therapy and they're feeling, too, I want to feel good about this. Did Jesus ever talk to anybody that way? No, no, he, he went straight to the heart. He simply says, the world will hate you. It will hate you, and it will come after you to destroy you. And it's going to increase, right? It's going to increase. Um, and, and so this is the pressure of, am I going to hold on to the truth of God and, and embrace Jesus, who is the truth, right? This isn't an intellectual exercise. It's not a, Remember, if your Christianity is built on theology, intellect, you will not stand. The only thing that will stand is, is an embrace of a person, an intimate fellowship with a person, the Lord and Savior of the world, the one who shed his blood for you, 
that he might walk with you. And when we embrace him, we, our heart is open to what he has to say. And now I'm going to submit my life to your word, God, to what you have to say, right? My feelings, my everything, right, to you, God. And, you know, this idea of that the world, all this language about the world hating us, well, I just, let's just bring this home a little bit. The reason why this is, is because for believers, is that our kingdom is not of this earth. Our priority is not establishing a kingdom, physical kingdom here. It's longing for Jesus to bring his kingdom from heaven to this earth, right? And, and that just... Is, puts us at war with the kingdoms of this world that want to make and think that we, through our technology, wisdom, politics, philosophy, everything else, can make this a peaceful place. Never has happened, never will, until Jesus returns. And so we are at this war of being people who are allegiance. And folks, we've messed this up. We've messed this up. And this has been part of one of the many things we were tested on this last year. What was revealed was we had too many in the church whose clear allegiance was to a political platform rather than the kingdom of God. Okay? Now, folks, we need to be involved in politics. Don't get me wrong. But, man, when it's shown where my allegiance and the church's allegiance is, man, that is a major, major problem that God is going to weed out of his church. Our kingdom, Right? The kingdom of God. Lord, come. And the church is to be an expression of that. Lord, may that, may that love, may that community, may that service, that, that helps and healing, all that. May the kingdom be present here and shine outward to the world that they can look and say, wow, what's going on over there? Look at how those folks live. And then we move out with that goodness and that message, right, to, to the watching world. And uh, the last thing I think on truth here is... is um, Man, um, folks, if, if, and you see this happening, I, I just, uh, the best I can, let me, how many of you have seen the movie Inception? With uh, Leonardo DiCaprio or whatever it is, Inception? So in the movie, it was this deal where they could actually kind of go into a state where they could go on these dreams and venture into non-reality. And he had a little token, it was a little top, right? Remember that? And he always kept it with him and he would spin it and if it stopped spinning, he would know, oh, I'm in reality. But if it spun and it kept spinning, he was still in a dream. Now, folks, all of us can relate to this, right? You ever been in those dreams where it's just like, uh, and you wake up like, oh, thank God, I'm, I was stuck in that, you know, you know, kept doing the same thing over again. I, I have a lot of these. I have times where I'm like, I'm in there, I'm ready to preach, and I can never get to the podium. I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Ah, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm kind of weird. Or the whole bridge thing, all kinds of weird dreams. Um, <clears throat> folks, we are in a, a stage now where we have, um, we're losing reality. And folks, we should be in anguish over this for people's souls. Mental health is at a historic level of, pro, of in our culture. And it's just the beginning, right? Um, v... What was all that stuff? You know, all the, the screens, the, ult, the AI and the VR, all these things um, are creating avenues for people to check out. Not just drugs and alcohol anymore, but I mean to really check out, create their own reality. Um, when truth is suppressed, and folks, just the reality of it is, is your children have been indoctrinated by the education system for decades now. 
more than you would ever, myself, would ever, ever realize. They have sold this subtle, powerful thing of what Romans 1 says, do not suppress the truth of God. If you do, you're going to pay a big price. And we have bought into this, this idea of there's no absolute truth. And we've heard about it, we talk about it, but we are living in now, part of the consequence of that is when you do that over a period of time, then you lose reality. You lose reality and you go against science even. And you think that you can create things, claim things that can never happen, right? And this is where our culture is, we're promoting these things, right? And, um, and what happens, folks, when we lose truth Right, is we move into a place of, of just this vague place of just no, no handles, no security whatsoever, no sense of where are we going, where, how's it all fit together. It's just this, this land, and COVID has catapulted this idea for a lot of people, and, it, and it's just people are checking out. They can't handle their own emotions anymore. They have no framework for healthy family and healthy society. And when those things tear down, Right, And the experiment we're trying to do as a culture, um, it's never been done in the history of the world. Do you realize that? There's not a society in the world where, where God's created order breaks down that anything good happens. Why is it that we aren't facing reality on that? Why is, why is some brilliant people as America, we keep pressing down a road. There is no clearly communicated better future ahead. Nobody can articulate that. But you know what? History has proven. We go against, and right now, folks, more than ever, there's a full-on attack on the created order of God. Every bit of how God blessed his sacredness and how he created back in the garden and how he, his order is of, of what he will bless. Never before has there been an attack on that. And again, just read Romans 1. It couldn't be any clearer about God Turning us over to a depraved mind. We're heavy in this, folks. And the only way to argue against that is to reject the word of God. And so, where, where are we going to stand? Are we going to stand on what God says? Or are we going to continue to build bridges to a, into the screen time into a culture that is full of lies? With zero vision of what that will bring in the future. Who, who, who in, in this whole push we're going for, is anybody articulating to you a better future, what America should look like? Oh, you know what? If you read deep enough, you can get to some pretty scary agendas across the platforms, right? And so, folks, this idea of embracing the truth, right, is that it, 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 the only way we can live in reality, and Jesus is ultimate reality. God is ultimate reality. Otherwise, we find ourselves in this meaningless Right, numbed, just plugging into screen time to just pass the time existence. And folks, we should be in anguish. We should be deeply moved to step into people's lives, especially our young people's lives, to get a hold of that, that heart, those questions, that mind, right? And to really talk about truth. And so, um, well, there's, there's so much here to say. I'm just scratching the, the surface here on this, but one more thing in verse 28, it says, wherever the corpse is, the vultures will gather. Now, he's like, where did that come from? You know, Jesus is talking about, well, people will gather around. Don't listen. Don't gather around that. 
And one of the many principles here, folks, is what are we gathering around? The truth is that um, something that is dead, something that has no life in it and no future, no hope for the future, right? Only judgment, only darkness gathers around that. And so we have to honestly assess, Dirk, y'all come on up. Um, what are we gathering around? What truth are we embracing, right? Um, and really wrestle with this with one another. Uh, folks, I think part of the problem is, and, and I've, this is where I've been challenged, is this idea of, uh, I think as Americans, we want a little Jesus. We're scared about going after all of Jesus. We want a little. We want the feel good. We want the good mess. We want the peppy up stuff. We want that forgiveness of sins for sure. But boy, do we, do we want all of him? And this is... This is where the rubber meets the road. And that question, folks, can only be fleshed out in a discipleship format. And what I mean by that is back to what we see. The context of this is Jesus with his 12 around him speaking into each other's lives. And I just ask you again, and folks, this is the church must recover the Great Commission, make disciples. And I ask you, who in your life is asking you, is challenging you, hey, who are your disciples? Who are you gathering around you to, to talk about how to have all of Jesus and to dive into the word and, and to love each other with the word and push each other on for everything that God has? Who in your life do you have that's asking you, hey, do you want all of Jesus? Or are you just going after a little bit of Jesus? Without that context, folks, you know the chance of us being able to stand and not be led astray are pretty slim. And it just reveals the great commission. Go, make disciples. Learn to, learn to be discipled first and then learn to bring truth into people's lives at the core of their very being. As Paul said, I am labor with you until Christ is formed in you, right? And so just leave that as a response for us this morning. So Father, thank you for your word and Lord, there's so much here. I pray you prepare our hearts to receive and dive in, Lord, as we're gonna get deeper and deeper in. Give us ears to hear what your word says, Lord, and bring conviction, bring encouragement, Lord. Bring spiritual zeal. Rock us out of apathy, God. And Lord, right now, we just invite your Holy Spirit to come be with us. Move among us. Show us how to respond. Show us in these last few minutes, Lord, before we come to the Lord's table, how to respond to your word. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to move among us. Speak to us. Encourage us. Manifest your presence among us, God. We love you, Jesus. Let's embrace you. So um, just take this time, just a little quiet before the Lord. Let the, the Lord sink some of these truths in your heart. And as always, we have the mics out. And um, because we see worship and scripture should be corporate. And so we just want to hear from a couple, but if the Lord has anything on, you know, just puts it on your heart to share. Something short, it could be a prophetic word, encouraging word to the church. Um, feel free to bring it, you know, uh, if it's in line with what the Spirit is, is saying and doing here this morning, right, through His Word. And, and then we'll, we'll come to the table and celebrate our, our Savior. And lastly, I would just say, if you're here and you're not sure about where you are with truth, with Jesus, Man, we're here. 
please don't leave here without talking to someone, one of us, about how to get him in your heart and to have abundant life. I had the privilege the first service to talk to a young man. And folks, this so encourages me. It's the first conversation I've had like this in a very, very long time. He was cut to the heart, and uh, he realized he needed some fear of God in his life. He needed all of Jesus. And he realized that he was wandering and trying, just embracing the world, and, and the Lord had a hold of his heart. And it's a simple prayer. Just say, Jesus, come. Respond to that humility, that repentance. That's how life, that's how change happens. Real change. We have to just give it over to the Spirit of God. So if you're here, please don't leave. Don't, don't let something rise up and then just shut it down and bolt. Let God move through His people in supernatural ways. So Father, we just rejoice in You. We know You're at work in our hearts. Lord, we just, let nothing rob us of this moment. Come, speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.